Some people don't know that I built this $80 million company. In two years, we were really at like over 10 million. Oh, wow. I've always been a risk taker since I was younger because I know that if I lose it all, I could build myself back up. I, I have no marketing background, but I'm going to figure this out. You ain't got to pay someone $10,000 to teach you how to run an ad. You Absolutely. <laughs> you can call up and figure not. it out yourself. I figured out my audience, which is the most important when you have anything. You have to listen to what your customers say. They tell you. This is like huge to go yes. from working in corporate, making six figures, doing well for yourself, but then doing well for yourself. You know yes. what I'm saying? <laughs> like generational wealth, wealth yes. for yourself. I can fall to the bottom and I already know a year or two from now, you're gonna see me right back at the top. As a woman, whether you are Latina or black woman, they think we're stupid. Do not believe what you see. Don't believe the hype. No. Mm -hmm. No, I don't need to be rescued. Like I'm actually smarter than you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna sit back and I'm gonna listen to you so that I know how to make my next move. What's up, mi gente? Welcome back to another episode of Banking on Cultura. I'm super hype about today's guest because, I mean, I'm hype about all my guests, but today in particular because we are new friends. And I was introduced to this woman through another friend, Jitali. Shout out to Jitali. And she opened her home to host a gorgeous brunch on a Sunday rainy ass afternoon. <laughs> I was like, are we still having this event? Because it literally, y'all, it was like raining crazy. But something in me was like, you know what? I have to go to this event. I have to make it happen. I felt like God was calling me to this event. He was like, you got to go, girl. So go. And I'm so happy that I did because I got the honor and pleasure to meet none other than this amazing woman, Crystal. Thank you so much for being on Banging on Cultura. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for opening your home. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was like so gorgeous. It was on Long Island. It was beautiful. But introduce yourself to the people because I want them to know who you are. And then I want to share more of the scoop of behind the scenes of how we met. Okay. So my name is Crystal Etienne. I am the CEO and I am the founder of Ruby Love. I am also, I have an investment firm with my husband, Gene Etienne. It is called Cage & Co., which is actually People always think it's like something crazy, but it's actually just Crystal and Jean Etienne. Okay. <laughs> so it's CajunCo.com. We invest in black women. We invest like $1,000 to like $25,000 into women's businesses that are just starting. Like literally, I call it like soil funding instead of like pre-seed or seed. Mm. It's literally soil mm -hmm. for those people who don't have like the friends and family. And that is what my husband and I do. It's with our own funds. And then I have Black Women Conversations, which is I started because of CAGE. And that is where I bring about like 30 women together um, in my home. And they're at all different types of levels. The majority of the women are already self-made at higher levels probably some you may not even heard of. You probably just use their product. And that's like kind of like me, like some people, because I stay in the background, some people don't know that I built this $80 million company. And then I put people who are like from my company, like from like from our investment firm mm -hmm. in the room just to see, just so they could see. Like, I know you're trying to get to like $80 million or $100 million, but if you did $200 million, we are all the same. And we mm -hmm. all struggle with something and we all just need love and we all just need friends. And that's what I do. 
<laughs> and I love that. And, you know, one of the things that gravitated me towards you was, <laughs> I mean, obviously the gorgeousness of the house, but that's all Thank service you. level. And, you know, you don't really know someone by, I mean, I feel like you can get to know somebody by entering mm-hmm. their home for sure. Yes. I think like character wise, what, what drew me to you, of course, was you hosting us in your beautiful estate because that's what it yes, is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's an estate like where you see in the movies, there was like a golf course, like in the driveway so you could get around the grounds like in a state. Okay. But when I knew you was a real one was when I saw that you had your name tatted on your yeah. arm. And I was like, you know what? I know I'm gonna get along with this woman because that speaks to the era you were born in, where you are from. Absolutely. And also that you'll never forget your roots. No. <laughs> Because then you would have removed that thing, right? A long time ago. But I, I, it really just created this calmness. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. But at least for <laughs> me, I was like, okay, I know she's cool. Like, I know she's down to earth. Yeah, usually I get that I'm mean. Because I just have, like, this mean face. If I'm not smiling, that's why I smile all the time, usually. Because I'm not smiling, people think I'm mean. And really? I'm, like, the nicest I am like the nicest person ever. Mm, you're super cool. I mean, my interaction with you was amazing. I hear that all the time. Yeah. Once I get past the mean face. Yeah, yeah. No, you smiled at me when I walked in, honey. I was like, hi. <laughs> you are a great hostess with the mostest. Thank you. So where does this hosting come from? Because you host a lot of events in your gorgeous home. Yes. Like, where does this come from? Is this like cultural? Like, where did you get this? No, I just like to celebrate. Okay. I will celebrate anything i've always been celebrated by like my mother and my father and i've just passed it on to my kids like i celebrate everything i think that celebration is just it just makes you feel good totally. so i celebrate everything and all my friends know it like we like i do events but most of the time it's just my friends are at my house all the time like they're gonna be at my house in like three hours yeah <laughs> and i just so they know i just celebrate everything like you could tell me like one little thing about you and I'll be like, no, we need to celebrate that because it's such, it, it's just such a good feeling. Totally. The events I just started doing really is new mm-hmm. from my investment firm, but celebrating, I've been celebrating my whole life. I love that. Where yeah. is your last name from? So it's from my husband and he's Haitian. Haitian. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So it's a French last name. Okay. Okay. Bourgeoisie. <laughs> I love that. So do you ever get a little nervous about like hosting strangers in your home? No, because everyone is vetted. Okay. And anyone who, and when I say vetted, it's not like you're researched. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who knows me knows who can come to my house, mm. knows who to bring up, even around me, even if it's not at my house, if I was doing it somewhere else, everyone knows like my personality and like how I am. Because I hear all the time that I'm very cool. And I know that I speak my mind. So I'm not for everybody and everybody is not for me. Mm -hmm. So anyone who knows me from being around me one time, probably you, like Mm -hmm. you've been to my house one time. If you met someone and they were like, oh, I want to come with you to her house. If I just invited you, you'd be like, no, that person's not good. "Mm, I don't know if you got the right flavor. Yes. So (laughs) and I've never, ever had a problem. I was 22 when I brought my first house. I've never had a problem with bringing any of one who knew me, bringing somebody to my house that... And I'm always fine with it because I know that people who know me know like, okay, like she will mesh with Crystal Mm -hmm. or Crystal will love her Mm -hmm. or like Crystal needs to help her. (laughs) So it's always that. I've never had an issue. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, and I toss this up to Jitali and your team because I'm pretty sure you guys selected like who could come to that event. But no, Jitali gave the list. Okay. Well, Jitali, she did her thing, girl, because it was very curated in terms of 
diversity of yes. ladies that were in the building, the energy, the love, the accolades. Like it was just super dope and amazing. And shout out to you and the team for curating just a special space for us yes. all to connect. And I was super inspired from that experience and meeting the amazing ladies. And this is why it's so important, guys, when you are out and about Never miss an opportunity to connect with someone on a human level because I think that's super important because once you're able to engage on a human level, it's easier to build a relationship. Right. And I think that event in particular, the way that it was curated, everyone dressed so nicely, Mm -hmm. the music, the live music, the cocktails, like it just allowed for people to just become calm Mm -hmm. and uh, allow themselves to be who they truly are. Yes. And I think that's why everybody was able to connect, at least for me. And also when I'm in these spaces, I I try my best to make sure that it's not a wasted opportunity to build a new relationship yeah. and to get to know someone new, which is why you're here, um, Banking on Cultura. And your story is just amazing and powerful. <laughs> and we're going to break into that today because I want to get more behind the scenes. Like building an $80 million company yeah. is is not easy. And on top of that, you did that with your boot thing. Yes. So <laughs> I did. So I'm pretty sure that brings a whole nother layer of, of interesting <laughs> obstacles. Yeah. And let's get into that a little bit. Like why did you decide... How did this all begin? Which one? Ruby Love? Ruby Love, yes. Okay, so Ruby Love started in like the summer of 2015. I was just aggravated. The company didn't start yet. So tell the people what Ruby Love is so they know. Yeah, so Ruby Love is period apparel. So I'm the inventor of period swimwear, period sleepwear, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I have a special, I developed a special gusset that collects your flow. And it also will hold a sanitary pad. And we also sell like double-sided pads. So it's... Basically, if you leak, <laughs> we got you in any situation. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah. you. If you're swimming, if you want to sleep, if you're working out, I created all of that. I didn't actually create period underwear. That was already developed probably in like 2010, but our gusset is completely different. But I am the inventor of period sleepwear, swimwear, and activewear. Okay. So, but you started, you were in corporate. Yes. So I previously was Mm -hmm. a controller, like a CFO. I was running like accounting department. Oh, so you already had the background with numbers for business. All of that for business. Yes. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure was like a super helpful transferable. Oh, absolutely. To you going out (laughs) on your own. Uh, So we before we get into the nitty gritty, I want some bonchinche. Okay. (laughs) So bonchinche is like some tea. Yeah. For us to get to know, maybe something we can't Google about you. Some chisme. Okay. Okay, so I can give something personal that okay. because I have such a strong personality yeah. that people do not know that I am the biggest scaredy cat. <laughs> really? Yes, I am scared of everything. I'm scared of fire. I am scared of dogs. <laughs> I mean, I'm scared of fire too. <laughs> I am scared of everything. I am scared of dark. I am scared. If I, I'm scared. Of, I'm the biggest scaredy cat. Really? Yes, and because I have such a strong personality, people always think that like I'm like ready and I'm like, no, I don't want to go over there. That is interesting. I, like, check the gas, like, 50 times. Interesting. That is yeah. interesting because I definitely, especially after learning more about you, and I'm still getting to know you on a personal level, but, like, if you just look at professional and what you see out there, fearlessness is what comes to mind. Yes. <laughs> 
what comes to mind. Yep. Okay, interesting. Okay, so I want to get back to this actually later in the conversation because I think this is so important about how this facade and how we mm-hmm. present ourselves to the world and how people perceive us yep. versus who we truly are. Because I get that a lot. I get that like, oh, you have such a strong personality. Mm-hmm. You're so strong. But I'm a teddy bear. Like, I'm good yes. inside, you know? <laughs> I got the thug tears all the time and all of that. So so that's interesting because I want to see how that parlays in business. But let's, let's take people on the journey, on the timeline. So corporate yep. was a CFO running an accounting yep. division. And at what point did you decide that you wanted to start this company when I thought of the idea so I was in 2015 like the summer of 2015 I was just aggravated with my period like I was I had it I was watching TV I believe I was I was watching Wendy Williams and I was laying on the bed yes how you doing I miss her (laughs) yeah I know shout out to Wendy (laughs) (laughs) and I literally looked down and I was like laying on my bed and my the wings was like sticking out of my underwear Mm -hmm. and I was like this is like some real bullshit (laughs) it's ain't cute no it's not cute at all and men don't care like they really don't but for some reason with us like I had my period since I was 11 and I was like why am I still dealing with this like why Mm -hmm. and I just said you know what I need to I need to figure out something like to so I don't have to see that Mm -hmm. and I got up and I just like drew a picture like of just underwear I don't even think it was an underwear I drew because I don't know how to draw. It was something. And I just drew like a hole in a underwear, in like a gusset. And I said, I want something to be able to hide my pad. So when I first launched the product, it didn't even have any absorption or anything in it. And then right after that, I wrote the patent. I literally like wrote the patent myself. While you were still at work. Like you were still working. Yes. Doing this on the side. And then I quit. I left. <laughs> but I told my husband when he got home and he he's Haitian. He's Caribbean. <laughs> And he was like, uh, no, like you make six <laughs> figures, like you need to. Nah, and I, I really went full in 2016. I went full out with it. I wrote the patent in two, after I came up with the idea, I didn't launch anything. I wrote the patent first. Okay. And then I was coming to um, the city in Manhattan, like to find like someone to make, to develop the product. And that probably took like a couple of months. And then I launched it 2016. So what is the process of writing a patent? Like what, what yes. is that? So writing a patent include. is a lot. But I said, you know what? I said, I don't want to use any of my money because I called some patent attorneys and they are expensive. Like how much? So they wanted retainers just of like $6,000. Like a month? Or no, no, no. Just to just to write it. Oh, but it's really not. It. Now that I'm like a few years in now, mm-hmm. it's it's really not six thousand dollars. Like there's so many iterations. So I called the USPTO office, and they said that there's mistakes. They started explaining to me like there's mistakes all the time, and I was like, you know what? Like it ain't gonna be just six thousand dollars. And I also didn't want to use the six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. This thing is gonna wind up being like fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write it myself. And if you call or if you go I actually moved, I actually went to Virginia where they were at the time. I hope they're still there. But that was in two thousand fifteen. The summer like of two thousand fifteen. They're headquartered, you mean? They're headquartered okay. there. But if you call on the phone, they will give you all types of information. If you pull other patents, you can see like how it's written because it's a particular type of format. And I really sat at my dining room table for about like 30 to 40 days and I wrote the patent and I submitted it all myself. I literally paid whatever it was back then. I think it was like $400, like 400 and something dollars to submit that patent. And I got my patent was issued, I think like two years ago. 
Wow. With yeah. no law background or any of that? No. I did eventually have to use an attorney. Okay. That's why I said that $6,000 wasn't going to be mm-hmm. $6,000. That's what I found out. So, like, two years ago, I had found, well, I had got an answer the first time. I answered it, like, two times. Like, because they'll, they'll send you something, but it takes so long. It's, like, years. And then... What um, do you mean? It's, like, years to get the patent you're talking about? So, when, so when you first, it's like, submit it, okay. the patent, you're waiting. You're like, like the application waiting. to get the patent. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. So I submitted the application. Months I heard nothing. Like probably like a year I heard mm-hmm. nothing. And then they sent me something back. I don't remember what the first one was. It was like, oh, you know, you need to fix this or whatever. So I fixed that myself. Then maybe like a, a year later, like a six months to eight months later, another thing came. And by 2019, I was so busy like with my company. I was like, I can't keep fixing this. And that's when I got an attorney. That's when I got a trademark attorney, like, to just fix it. But I kept submitting it in myself. Like, if I would have stayed with it, I, it would have just been straight. But I wrote it, submitted it, everything myself. Wow. They just did the, like, the final corrections of whatever they were sending back. So what were you doing during the time of you applying for the patent and growing your business at the same time? Like, were you talking to anybody about it? Were you creating Oh, yeah, product? no, no, no. I ha- you can launch it. Oh, okay. It was okay. patent pending. Okay. All you had to do at that time was just say patent pending. Got it. Once you submit the application, mm-hmm. I learned this from the USPTO, once you submit the application and it's submitted, you can start saying your patent is patent pending. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's like with trademark. Trademark pending, right? Because yes. it takes a You while just can't say, trademark. like, they will actually take your patent. You can't. These are some type of rule. Like, say if I would have been lying and saying, oh, it's patented. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't. Like, okay. you didn't get that seal. Then you could get in trouble for that. But once you submit it, it's patent pending. So did you leave your corporate gig before you started making money in the business? Yeah. Okay. Why did you decide, like, okay, this is it? Because I'm a risk taker. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season okay so tap in and i'll see you inside the training let's go okay which is really crazy because i'm a scary cat but i'm a risk taker <laughs> this is what i'm trying to get i'm like wait hold on like everything yes. that i've always been a risk taker since i was younger okay because okay. i know that if i lose it all i could build myself back up mm. where does that come from i think my father okay <laughs> like my father is from harlem <laughs> 
talking about nothing. Shout out to Harlem. Shout out to New York. And you're for Queens, right? I'm from We're Queens. We're both from Flushing. Queens. Yes. yes. So we connected on that as well. Queens girls. Okay, so got that from dad. Okay, so you decided to quit. You're a risk taker. This is what you're doing. Hubby was like, you crazy girl. And you was like, I don't care. I'm doing this. Yes. Okay. So when did shit start getting real? Like when? 2016. Okay. So March of 2016. Because when I first launched in January, I really launched like the end of 2015, like December. Okay. Like it was selling like really well. Like what my competitor... Like, I was so small. I used to just make sure that I was, like, right where they were. And they were selling, like, these expensive-ass underwear. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell myself cheaper. Hold on, hold on. Let's. I want to take folks step by step because yes. this is a huge deal because this started, like, in your living room, essentially. Yes. Bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. So no outside funding. Yep. So let's take them through the process. Okay. At corporate, quit, decided you're doing your own thing, decided to apply for the patent. Yep. Then did a website. Then did a website. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you decided. It's horrible. This is absolutely horrible. But okay. it was selling. People okay. were buying from it. Okay. I like that nugget because a lot of people usually wait for everything to be perfect. For no. their brand colors, for the font, for the graphics. Absolutely. All of that before they start selling. So you was like, we're doing skeleton website. We got to start selling. Yep. Okay. I figured that out. Got the Got it live. And then I just started selling. And I had to figure out how to sell because I had no marketing background. Wait, like, did you business. start selling like right away before? But did you have product already in inventory? Or yeah, so I had like small batches. Okay, so I had my I was manufactured in New York. Oh, okay. like I found the factories here in New York. My factory was actually in Brooklyn, so I was able to get like at that time I was ordering like thirty pieces like at a time, mm-hmm. going from Long Island to Brooklyn every day. <laughs> so to get it manufactured, you went and brought like your concept of the design to a manufacturer. Yes. And he was like, create this for yes, me. Yes, I called like factories. And I was like, I want to get this made. And they would tell you, just come down. They like money. <laughs> yeah. How much did it cost to like get samples and stuff? So my first samples, I did because I had called like almost every factory out here in mm-hmm. New York, like in Brooklyn and Manhattan. You was on the phone, girl. You was calling I the was. US. And I was getting was on the like... train. And I was getting on the railroad to come out here and okay. walking up in them. And mm-hmm. I was like, listen, I need to get this made. Like, could you draw it? So I found like four, yeah, it was four factories that I found to make it. Okay. Okay. And they all told me different prices. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let them all make it. I, I think the cheapest I got, it was like $100. And then there was a real expensive one, I think, at that time. I think it was like $1,500. I remember it was so long ago, like $1,500, $2,000. But I got them all made. Okay. And then I chose the best manufacturer to go with. And that's okay. the one I went with. Interesting. Okay. So you went through, got samples yes. from each of these manufacturers, essentially put them all on an interview. Yeah. And then Basically. you decided <laughs> yes. to go with the best one. That I okay. felt was the best that one. That you felt was the best one. Ordered like 30 to 50 products. Like 30. Okay. And you're on the site. You're live. Yep. Then I started selling it. Okay. So how did people know you existed? So when you first put the website up, nobody come. <laughs> I saw that like one day. Okay. So I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. Like uh-huh. I, I have no marketing background, but I'm going to figure this out. And then I just started, I think I've, I, cause I had no social media at the time. So I think I started 
Googling. Like Google used to be my best friend. I Google like, how do you get sales? How do you show an ad? And I knew things were coming in my feed. Mm -hmm. Like, like I didn't really have a feed because I didn't have social media, but stuff would target me if I was looking online Mm. in that way. So say for instance, if I was reading an article from like Teen Vogue or something, you know how you always, now I know what it is then, but back then I didn't know what it was, Mm -hmm. but I was like, that's showing up some type of way and I googled it and then it told me to like uh, that you can advertise on Facebook so I was like okay and Instagram back then wasn't really big like in 2015 it really Mm -hmm. wasn't like it was big for some people but not for really advertising Mm -hmm. so it was really like basically Facebook and Google and I just figured it out I called Google they had a number back then I don't know if they have it now and I was like I want to set up an account and their reps will always call you and bother you so they helped me set those up like keywords and search words and then that's when they started telling me about my competitors and i started looking them up and then that's when i found out like how just to advertise like the small basic advertising Mm -hmm. and i would just be right where my my competitor at the time i had a big competitor at the time too where they were because they had raised like 2.5 million dollars and i was like you know what wherever they are you gonna see my stuff. You're you gonna see my wherever website. Wherever they were advertising, that's where you were going to advertise. Yes. Okay, got it. I think that Google and maybe Facebook as well have like free resources even now that you're able to tap they into do. for you to learn this stuff. So you ain't gotta pay someone ten thousand dollars to teach you how to run an ad. You can, Absolutely. <laughs> you can call up and figure not. it out yourself. Okay, so this is the true definition of bootstrapping. Like true you definition. find it out on your own. Yes. And you do the work. Yes. Essentially. Okay, so you were running ads. You learned yes, how to I run started, ads. Yes, I was doing like $5 a day. Okay, okay. <laughs> and how did you figure that out? Because right now I'm doing ads and it's complicated as hell for so, me. back then, I know. It was, like, it was complicated for me happening? then. So back then, I knew nothing about audience. I knew nothing about ROAS. I knew none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I wanted my ads to like show up in somebody's feed. And when you're on Facebook, when you do Facebook, you have to get a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. So I had got a Facebook account just for right. that because you have you have no choice but right, to have right. one. So I just, I don't know. I just started like doing, back then it was different because they got in so much trouble for it. <laughs> but you can target like people's interests. Mm-hmm. So it was periods. Right. So I would just... I don't remember what I used to use. I I would just think of things that a woman like with a period would be looking for like always or Mm -hmm. like things like that or whoever my customer base, who I thought my customer base was at the time. Mm -hmm. And then it just, I started getting sales. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook, I think back then would easily like just put you, like if you looked at my competitor, obviously you're interested. So their algorithm would do it. Google was a little different. Google was actually easier for me because those are just keywords. So Mm -hmm. I would just do the keywords that I think somebody's going to look for. Have my period, swimming on my period, things like that. I would do stuff like that. So you would put those keywords in like your caption for the ad? No, I would target those words. I would use those keywords Okay. because if you're Googling, you're going to Google that. Mm -hmm. And back then in 2016, people were using, like people that would advertise, they were really only using like words. I was using sentences because I started thinking about how I, if I'm searching for something, Mm -hmm. how I search for it. And I started using those. So from my Google ads and my Facebook ads, everything just started growing. And I went viral in March of 2016 with my period swimwear. Why? Because since the sales were coming in, I always knew what products I wanted to launch mm-hmm. from the beginning like the first first beginning I only had underwear like with our gusset okay. and then 
the sales were coming in. So I was like, oh, I went to my manufacturer. I was like, can you make this? And I started making my swimwear. Like I, I, I perfected it. I did everything with it. And then I was able to launch it. And Teen Vogue picked it up and I went viral. Interesting. And we've been on since March of 2016 on a upward since then. Okay. What were your ads? Like, what were they? Back then, so the Google ads was like keywords. So if you search for a keyword, you would see my company come up. Like your website. So say period under, period panties was very big back there. So okay. say period panties, you would search period panties. I would come, my competitor would be there. I couldn't be at the top mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I couldn't defeat with them mm-hmm. because they had that $2.5 million mm-hmm. that they had right, right, closed. Right, right. So I would just make sure that I was on the first page or near them. And it wasn't really that many period companies back then. So it was very easy. So obviously if you're looking for period panties at that time, they would click them obviously first. They would see they selling these freaking $40 damn underwear, which I don't even know somebody who would pay $40 for underwear. But it was a big thing back then. It was kind of period underwear. It was kind of like a new concept. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I was selling mine for 20 bucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And to like rank up on Google, how much that was costing you? I never paid for ranking. It was just Well, get the there. ad with the keywords. Like, did you pay for that? So, yeah. So you just bid on the words. So you just put, I would put how much I wanted to spend for the day. Mm-hmm. And then I would just let the algorithm take over. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It was so much easier back then, I feel like. Now it was much easier stuff and it was much easier back then. Competition is crazy. Okay. So you start flying. Yeah. You're going viral. Like what the hell do you have to say at that point? So now he started noticing. So after he was, <laughs> he had his own company. He had his own trucking company. Okay. He, he had three trucks at that time. And it when he was getting off his trucks and like having all his trucks parked at night, like after all of his workers would get mm-hmm. off the trucks and things, mm-hmm. he would come home and then he would help me pack. My day was crazy back then because my son was even very small. I had to, I used to leave from Long Island to go to the Bronx because I had another manufacturer in the Bronx. I would come to Manhattan to pick up material to bring to the other factory that was in Brooklyn. And then I would make my way. That's what today, to this day, I hate the belt. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's how where I would end up from Brooklyn to go back to the belt, to get back to Long Island. And sometimes I would just sit and I would meditate in the car. I'd be like, I can't. And I used to have to get back to my son by that time. Then I would have people that wanted overnights. So when I got home, I would get my son off the bus I would go pack the orders and then I would have to run to FedEx and then I get back to my house and then somebody else ordered another overnight. I got to run back to FedEx. It was crazy back then. Straight I don't know how hustling. I did it. Straight hustling. Yeah. So I did that for about, after launching, I did that for, Ali for about like six to eight months. And then okay. I was like, okay, I need to hire someone. Okay. So I hired someone to help me. Mm-hmm. They would come after school, like to pack. Okay. So I still was doing the runs to FedEx and then my husband would come home at night to like help. And then it just kept blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. So the whole year of 2017, I used to beg him like, please, like, can't you just like let somebody else run your trucks and come work? He said, no. Again, he's Caribbean. <laughs> it took him a little while. And then I finally convinced him in 2018 because at that point, I think we were at in 2018, we probably was like gross sales. Probably at like $5 million, maybe like five, five and a half. And then I think he started taking it serious. So within two years, you were at five million. Yeah. At, in two years, we were really at like over 10 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I raised the fund in 2019. So from 2016 to 2018, we were over $10 million in sales. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. And my husband makes fun of me all the time because when we first started, I used to be like, I just want to get 10 sales a day. <laughs> 
And I said, if we got 20, I'd be okay. Right. I never made it to the 20. I like surpassed that. Because yeah. when I first started, I used to probably get like maybe like five sales a day. Yeah. Like first, like originally, like the yeah. first two months. Mm-hmm. Like five sales, six sales. And that's what I used to tell him. He makes fun of me about it to this day. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? Yes. I figured out my audience, which is the most important when you have anything. Like How did you figure it out? Um, because I had chat and I used to speak to my audience every day. So who I thought my audience was, it was not. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate. It's Especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season. Okay, so tap in and I'll see you inside the training. Let's go. So I thought my audience was my competitor's audience, which was like millennials, Millennials hate my product. Like, they hate it because it's too thick. It's too bulky. Our um, customers are moms with teen and tweens. So they are 32 to 55. And they just, they have a daughter who's just starting her period. Mm -hmm. And then they also are in the age group where they just are so tired of, like, wearing tampons. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they start, that's when you start feeling you got fibroids and Mm -hmm. all types of things. And you're like, I don't want to insert, like, these foreign objects into my body. But I used to speak to them all the time. So all I used to hear all the time was my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, my How daughter. How did you used to speak to them? Like you would via call? chat. Via chat. No, no, no. Okay. So I had a, ch- I, I finally put a chat on the website. Okay. And they come through and ask questions. And you just, you have to listen to what your customers mm-hmm. say. They mm-hmm. tell you, because everyone has an audience. Mm-hmm. Everyone has an audience. You just have to listen to what they say. Sometimes it doesn't have to be a chat. Sometimes it could be someone just say if you're at an event. And you, you'll you'll notice like it's the same type of person. Even to this day, they all say the same exact thing. When they're mad, they say the same exact thing. When they're happy, they say the same exact thing. And that is who your audience is. And you have to pay attention to it. Some people ignore their audience. Mm. Like say me, I would have ignored them and been like, oh, like I'm still going to just target and do everything compared to a millennial. But it, it wasn't my audience. I didn't hear that. I just kept hearing my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. My daughter's nine. My daughter's 10. She's going to camp. We're going away. 
I just paid for this vacation and she needs these swimwear. Right, right, right. Like, why is my stuff not here? I'm angry. You better get my stuff to me. You start hearing that and then you start hearing the compassion in it. And you're like, oh, like, okay, like, this is my audience. So I need to start listening to what they say. And I figured that out very quickly. Mm. So, okay, so <laughs> 10 million within two years. That was obviously gross. Right. Yeah, that was gross. Okay. Yeah. So, like, realistically, your manufacturing, shipment, website. I assume now you have people helping you. Like, mm-hmm. if you're running a ten million dollar company. Like, what are you actually like taking home from that? Oh no, we were very profitable at that time. Okay. Yeah. So our gross margins are very good. And I told you I was like I know business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was running people's businesses. Like mm-hmm. so everything. I treated everything like corporate. Like no one even knew that I was the founder of the company. I did everything corporate. Like when it came to negotiation, everything. I would just act like I was a big corporation at that time. Like now we are, but like we're a medium size, but like back then I would just act like I was a big corporation. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not paying that. I gotta tell my boss. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you would be on the phone acting like you was like, yes, oh my God, I have so many names. <laughs> Interesting. You're like, let me speak to Crystal. She's not in. <laughs> she said no. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So Hubby starts paying attention after two years. Yeah. I got him to finally, he came on in 2018. In 2018. Sold all his trucks. Sold all his trucks and was like, we in it to win it, baby. Let's go. Yep. Now you guys have grown the company to $80 million, right? To this day, yes. To this day, to mm-hmm. present day. So let's talk about all the in-between, right? How, how was it growing a business with the person you live with, the father of your children, yep. your lover, your friend, all the things... What what were the pros and what were some of the So there weren't really everybody asks us this all the time, but me and him are like have always been like best friends. Like we don't argue at all. And we go into everything because we don't argue. Like when we argue, we bicker. Like it's not like a ah, it's it's like a really okay. But we go into all of it. We discuss it before we go into it. So that's I think that's why we don't argue. So going into the company when I brought him on, because that's why he didn't want to come on, because you hear like the bad stories. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm running my own business. His business was doing very well. Like, he had those three, you know, box trucks, 26 footers. He had a 26 wow. foot and I think a 32 footers trucks. And he was good, like, with his contracts. So I think that's the reason why he did it. And like I said, he's Caribbean. Like, I ain't working. No, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And he just really... Saw it and me and him sat down and discussed. And I said, you know what? You will run the back. I will run the front. So the back meaning fulfillment. He was warehouse. Like that was his thing. Logistics, transportation. And I said, me and him agreed that no matter what the decision is, whether I agree or he agrees or not, we have to shut up. And we discuss it. And what we have the final say on what that is of what we're responsible for. And of course, there's been times when like, he don't like how, like, say something I because customer service is in the front. He'll just be like, walk away because he doesn't agree. And if something in fulfillment, I don't agree. He'll tell his group of people because it was like we had 40. He was managing 40 people at one time. And I wouldn't agree with some things, too. But I knew, like, you know what? It's fine. As you just say, like, you know what? It's your decision. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's always worked. So you allowed for autonomy. Like, if this is your space, this is your space. Yes. And I think if people really go into it, you have to respect who runs what. 
and even if you don't agree with it. Because they will learn. They will learn. There's been things that I don't agree with him. He learned his lesson. And I'm sure there's things that he probably will say, like, I told you. And then I learned my lesson. How did you not bring those conversations, like, back home? Like, if you were pissed about something in the business front? Um, I was never pissed at him at anything. Okay. Like, yes, I would side eye, like, if I didn't agree with it. But I knew that that's what we agreed to. Like, mm-hmm. it's your decision. So we never brought negative. We don't bring negativity. We don't do negativity mm-hmm. at all. I love that. Dealing with employees is negative. Yeah. But it's like you just have to stand your ground and understand. It's the same It's the same way with an employee. You have to know, like, okay, you're the employee. I'm the, say, owner. Let's just say owner. Mm-hmm. We're never going to see the same. We're never going to see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And that's in any business. He was running the um, back. I was running the front. The front and the back ain't never gonna agree on everything, mm-hmm. and you just gotta take it for what it is. You're never gonna have the same mindset. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna have customer service and fulfillment. I used to tell the, even the people who work in the department, you guys are never gonna agree because customer service is dealing with your issue. They're dealing with your problem, so you're never gonna agree. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just life. Interesting. Okay. If you think of it that way, it always works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have to have a certain level of like maturity and oh, respect for one another, Absolutely. And love and all of that jazz. Yes. So, but I think that's like super dope and an amazing part of your story of how you've been able to like build it with your boo thing. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of meeting him and he was absolutely awesome. He was at this event. He was. It was all ladies. <laughs> he was the only fella for quite some time. And he was in it to win it. He was paying attention. He was yeah. listening. He was being helpful. And I had the opportunity to have a quick conversation. And then I was like, you wasn't bored here? He was like, no. Like, no I learned so him. much. He was yeah. like, you got to pay attention. You got to listen. And I was like, yeah. you know what? You should host a seminar for the fellas out here. They is close. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I told them. They I learned said, a little something you, from him. Yes. I was like, you should host a seminar. For real. Because we do it for women. Yes. Women have these seminars all the time. Like, that's the fellas a good need idea. that too. Yeah. I don't know. I might have Lisa reach out to you to put that together. Let's go. <laughs> and I know exactly who to invite. Okay. Good. Very successful men who need that type of mentorship. Yeah. I don't think there's like places where they can go where they can take off their mask. You know, yeah, for women, it's a not. little easier. Yeah. For men, it takes a little bit more, you know, to kind of bring down their defense and, and their yes. armor. But I think it becomes easier when they see someone who's actually living what they're preaching. You know what I mean? Yes. Not like somebody who's never run a business, somebody who's never made millions of yeah. dollars, someone who's never had kids, all that trying to tell them what they should and shouldn't do. You know? Oh, I know. I know. It's it's so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Let yes. me know. Because the fellas, they need this type of love. Yeah. <laughs> they need it. They need it. Okay. So what were major things that you've learned about yourself, like running this type of shit? Because this is not small. This is like huge to go from working in corporate, making six figures, doing well for yourself, but then doing well for yourself. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like generational wealth, well for yourself. What are some major like lessons you've learned? So one of the things that I have learned about myself is from when I took the investment. Like in 2019, I was the third largest for a black woman to close a $15 million deal at that time. Wow. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I didn't like to be in the spotlight. I learned that I'm better off in the back. I learned that I didn't like headlines. And I also learned that I didn't like investors that were not helpful in any type of way. So those, those out of all the negative, I would say 
and most people would be like, but you got $15 million. You got a $15 million deal. <laughs> that was like the worst. Mm-hmm. And the, the day after the wire happened, I was like, God, I felt like a pressure. I felt like a pressure because now when you take people's money, it's an investment. Like I'm an investor too. Most people don't. I understood it before I took it though. So I already knew what I was getting into because I understand business, but most people don't look at it like business. And after that, I just was like, why did I do that? Like we were completely profitable. Like, it's just like, and I was like, okay, you know what? They'll be helpful. You know, they'll, they're, because most people take investment for money and for help, like to help you grow and scale faster. I think it was more of a roadblock because after you take the investment, it's so much stuff that they want you to do mm-hmm. that um, you think that you want to do it, but now you start burning cash, like a lot of cash. Now you got to hire like a full C-suite. And in reality, it may look like you need a C-suite at the time, but you really don't. And a C-suite is expensive. Sif. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive. A COO is, could run for like $350,000. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that you're telling your investors that these are the things that they want you to do because they want you to form. They basically, it's a pro and a con because they want you to get your shit right. Like get this company, you know, in order and let's blow this up so that we can IPO or exit, you know, in 10 years from now. But it's also a pressure and not every CEO is prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for CEOs that take investment that really don't know the business side of it. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to have that business side, like going in from the beginning Mm -hmm. and really understanding like documents and what you're signing. Most people think it's about the money and it's about equity. It's not. It's about the board. I always controlled my board. I had more seats. But even with the more seats, even if I would have won the vote. I still got to explain. You still got a fiduciary duty to the company. Like you in the company and your board seat is three different things. Mm -hmm. And that is what I knew it going in, but actually dealing with it. I was like, you know what? I was fine before this. Like I didn't have to grow so fast. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was more stagnant. I probably, if I didn't take the investment, probably could have been at like $200 million at this point. Really? Absolutely. It takes your time. Interesting. It takes it. It's such unnecessary time to me. So have and that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. Some people can say because everybody's different on what they like. I just I didn't get stagnant, like from where I was and my personality. Because like I said, I can I can do anything, especially with my husband by my side. Oh, we could do anything. Like I said, I can fall to the bottom. And I already know a year or two from now, you're going to see me right back at the top. Mm -hmm. And some people don't know how to do that. So that was one thing that I think was a surprise. And even when I tell people, they get shocked. Like, really? Like like I said, but you had a $15 million deal. And I'm like, no, but it... it it's not what you think. Mm. I feel like a lot of founders struggle with this, especially in this time and this era of the glamorization of like the headline. an official yeah the headline the press don't believe the headline the idea of having this huge team and having an executive suite and yep. ooh la la you're so special but not really understanding the magnitude yeah for all of that exactly accountable for all of that but also like now that you've entered that level right cuz there's levels yep. right you can call it the major leagues. You can call it whatever you want. It's all, you know, perspective at that point. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you make that decision to take it to the next level yep. where now you're taking in outside investment, you are no longer 
really the captain of your ship. I mean, you are. Yes. Yes. I was because I controlled the board seat. Right. But most people aren't after they do it. Right. And they also are not aware of, as you said, like the business component of what they're actually giving away to bring in this money. Yeah, like it sounds sexy it's a business to bring deal. in fifteen million. Yeah, but there's so many strings attached to that, and it's a complicated business yeah. deal. Yeah, totally. and it's not said like that. Only thing you usually see is the headlines. Oh, this person raised twenty five million dollars at I don't know a hundred million dollar valuation, and people are like, oh, they have a hundred million dollar company. No, they just got twenty five million, and that's what the investors just determined that it's going to be worth. And you need to get it to that so that you can raise more money, get diluted, and the whole thing is just a race mm-hmm. that you have to, like, really bust your behind. Do not believe what you see. Don't believe the hype. No. Yeah. But this is what I mean. Like, people are chasing, like, those headlines and thinking, yeah. like, wow, they made it. Like, oh, my God. they, You know, you see it in the news all the time. $100 million here, $500 million here, valued at $2.5 billion here. And, and that's there. just a value. And, right. <laughs> but but this is the thing. People see that and they think that that is success. Like, that's the goal. Like, yeah. we got to go and get this VC when money. When most of those people are, like, under their comforter. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, I got this board meeting again. Like, sometimes you just want to lay out and yeah. you don't want to. But you have to answer when you have people's money. And that was why me and my investors like it was fine, like the business transaction, because I understood that mm-hmm. side of it. But most people, they really don't. They think it's their mama giving the money, and it's not. It's a business deal so, and a complicated one, like I said. is your Are your investors still involved to this day? or are they- So, we interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate. It's especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay. Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me. Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary completely. The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power sis? Check out www.victoriagen.com training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season. Okay, so tap in and I'll see you inside the training. Let's go. This year, I actually brought back all my shares from my main investor. I still have small investors, okay. but like the main investors. This is all, I, I can't explain it. Like it's just a main investor. Yeah, yeah. They are no longer involved. I brought all my shares back. Do you feel like oh, yes. a relief? Absolutely. So I'm pretty sure as a woman and as a black woman, they tried you. Oh, I- 
Well, first of all, as a woman, whether you are Latina or black woman, they think we're stupid. Mm. They really think we're stupid. And honestly, for the last couple of years, I just, from the day that I launched, I just played stupid. Like, you would have never known. Like, it's just... Like I look at my, I always looked at my company like a business. Also, like that's why I never did the headlines. Like I, like I said, I tried it in 2019, like when I raised the the thing, and I just didn't like it. I never based it around me, like the black woman that has this business. You know, the black woman who did this, the first black woman, the third black woman. I hate those headlines. It's just like, just focus on the company. How about you just focus on my period apparel? <laughs> <laughs> just focus on that. Yes. Mm. And and that's what it is. But they do. They do. They think they think we're stupid. And I don't know if the stupid is the right word, but they think that they are um superior. Not superior. They think that they are saving the day. Mm. Like they think that they're gonna rescue us. Like we all need to be rescued. No, I don't need to be rescued. Like I'm actually smarter than you. Mm. And I'm just gonna sit back and I'm gonna listen to you so that I know how to make my next move. So what are some examples of like when you playing dumb play to your advantage? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> so playing dumb, let me see. I got plenty of those. Some I might not want to say. <laughs> we want the exclusives, Crystal. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so I'll give one for playing dumb with them. Investors, you have to treat them like they're very, very smart. Like, oh, like how they talk to you and things like that. And you just got to listen. And I had someone. Are you talking about male investors? Uh, Male and female. Okay. Yeah. Male. And to be honest with you, I've had some of my worst, like, experiences with black women investors. Mm. Like, the worst. (laughs) Honestly. And most people would not want to say that. But, I'm, you know, I'm very truthful. So, the worst. Mm. (laughs) If I was to put them all in a line. So, it's, it's all, it's just investors in general and then what i've experienced with say like let's say like a white male or a white woman for us as a black woman or a latina woman they literally always think it's not the word superior it really is like they think that they are going to save the day for you like solve the problem and it's like i already know that Mm -hmm. so sometimes you just gotta let them talk get through it and then you just do what you have to do. Mm. And then I think it kind of pisses them off sometimes because it's like, oh, wait, like, yeah, no, I didn't need you to tell me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I already did that. Like, mm-hmm. I was trying to look for the next step mm-hmm. after that. So it, it's happened a lot. And I know a lot of people, especially like black women, because I deal with a lot of black women with companies that have the same experience. I don't know what it is. Maybe the word is superior, but I don't think that they felt like they were like, even all investors think they better. Like they all in a competition, but they know that they are like they're not even like the main person. It's mm-hmm. your LPs. Mm-hmm. Like you're you you're you have LP money. <laughs> like it's not even your own money. Mm-hmm. So I do think they have like that that tech bro attitude, mm-hmm. but it's all facade and it's all fake. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know your shit, you just know your shit. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that I just knew my shit. Mm-hmm. And it's something I didn't know. I go research it. I just go find it out. So with Okay, so one example is making them feel like they're the smartest person in the room. Yes. Okay. Someone told me that a Uh, long time ago to mm -hmm, do that. mm -hmm. And after he told me that, it worked. Mm. How do you go about that? You're just like nodding and asking questions like you don't know the answer? Well, they don't don't ask you anything. They tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're just listening. Yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you're just like, wow. Right. And sometimes it'd be like the most basic, dumbest stuff that you probably learned in third like, grade. Two plus two is four. No, you don't what? say. Really? Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those type of things. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Or if they think they're being helpful, it's because you just like, oh, okay, like, thank you. But it's not even like what I really needed the help with. Mm. And they really don't know it because they're not running your company with you. Like, you know your day-to-day. Everyone knows, whoever runs a company, and if you, especially if you're doing it on a full-time basis, you know your day-to-day. No one really knows except the people who are working there, like your employees and yourself. And the person who is the CEO and the owner is the only person who really knows what goes down. Investors just assume because they go off data But maybe that data doesn't apply to my company. Maybe that data doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. That's why people make assumptions about like black and Latino women, women, because they just going off of data. But no, that is not the case. I'm a prime example of that. Like every time, especially when I first launched, everyone thought that I had like this rags to riches story. And I'm like, no, I grew up in Flushing. Like I grew up in a co-op. Like my mother took me on vacation. My mother, I grew up in a, with my mother and my father. (laughs) Let's start there. (laughs) Yes, let's start there. But they make these assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I grew up very privileged. Like after I realized when I was older, like I woke up on Christmas with like a whole full room of things. Like, no, I wasn't, you know, at the the soup room. (laughs) Right. But because I was black and a black woman, and because I had two kids, like they just assume that I had a rags. Of, I don't. I have no rags of riches story. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. But they just assume that you do. So let me circle back to you making these decision to not be plastered around as a black woman who has an eighty million dollar company, etc. Yes. Because of these statistics and these stereotypes that are put on women of color, don't you think it's important for people to know, yes, a black woman did this? So yeah, so I do things like this. When you ask me, like I said, I do. I stopped it in 2019. I stopped doing talks because I felt like when I first started saying, okay, I'm going to go out, because in 2019, I decided, okay, you know what? Exactly what you said. I need to show people, like, you can bootstrap your business. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take anyone's crap. And I started doing, but I started getting, like, say if I got off a stage and there'd be, like, 20, 30 people, like, there to ask me questions. And they would ask me, I don't want to call them stupid questions, but they would be stupid. Um, (laughs) Maybe they was playing stupid, like you said. No, they weren't. Because it's, (laughs) you know, when you get off a stage, someone's there to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, And I don't don't want to call it a stupid question because they really just don't know. So. That's what. That's why I don't really want to call it a stupid question. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I was doing them a disservice because you're seeing me on the stage. I'm telling you what I did. And I've seen those headlines. And it's not the truth. So I used to get up on a stage. Anyone who's ever seen me speak like on stage, they can tell you. I'd be like, when everybody else is on the stage and they're like, oh, my God, yes, I did this. I'd be like, no, this is hard as shit. Like, I can tell you right now, like, this, my house is big, and it is hard as shit to maintain. Girl, you <laughs> know I was thinking that. about that when I was in your house. I was like, oh, my gosh, she must have a gardener. She must have, like, but a manicurist. We, we actually lawns. don't. Like, we actually oh, don't. So I have a landscaper, but okay. most people even come in our house, me and my husband's house, and think that we have a housekeeper. We don't. We actually clean our own house. What? Yeah, it's a big house, and there's a lot to clean, oh but we do. Oh, my goodness. But those are the things that I'm saying. Like, people only see, so say someone have seen that I've owned several mansions. They'd be like, oh my God, like, this is like great. But it's like, do you know like what it takes to maintain that? Do you know, (laughs) like, if you see water in your boiler, like you gotta get that 
correct it. Mm-hmm. So just imagine on a small house compared to a big house. Imagine my landscaper. Like, I have five acres. Like, that's a little different from my first house when I had, you know, 60 by 100. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's much different. And I think that's, I felt like I was doing black women a disservice by sitting up there. The way those panels, that's why I hate conferences, the way that they are set up is like they make you pay for the conference to come in and see, say, me, right? Mm-hmm. Or whoever your favorite celebrity is. And they're sitting up there telling that story and, you, and you're and you there like with such like, oh my God, I want to do it. And then you leave the conference and do you remember anything from the conference? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not that. So I, I realized that instead of me doing that, when I get a moment and a chance, I'm going to really, really bring people together to see, which led into the the brunches and things that I was doing and my investment firm. But the headlines, I hate, I really hate. And I know that they're needed. They're mm-hmm. absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what make the world go round. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps um, people energized. But it's like, I just want people to really know, like, look beyond the headline. When you hear that someone raised $30 million and added, you know, it's not going in their personal bank account. Like, what comes with that $30 million? Mm-hmm. Like, what comes with it? Right. Like, do you are you prepared to deal with, with what comes with that $30 million? Mm-hmm. The person who took it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I took my $15 million deal, I knew what I was getting into. But there are some people who would have probably went and go shot themselves. Like, my investors were, you know, out of the country. And right. it's a lot. Like, are you willing... To deal with that. Even people like with my house, like I tell you, I, me and my husband tell them all the time, we don't lie. We'd be like, our taxes is $98,000. Are you willing to pay that every month? <laughs> you know, our landscape bill is 100000 per year. Are you willing to deal with that? Right. When something, when a tree falls, you saw how many trees I have, mm-hmm. but a tree falls. Are you okay with dealing with that headache? Anything I do, I'm always prepared for like what's going to come with it. Cause not everything comes with good. Yeah. It, it just doesn't. There's always a con mm-hmm. to it. And are you willing to deal with that con? But no one ever looks at, they just look at the beauty in everything and say, Oh, I want that. Oh my God. I just wish I had that. But right. are you willing to deal with having it? Cause I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I'm willing to deal with when there's an error, when there's a mistake, when like with my investors, like one day I might just not like you. Like, Am I willing to deal with what it's going to take because I don't like you? <laughs> right. <laughs> and most people don't don't deal with that. So I hate headlines. And yeah. I just I just felt like I was doing people a disservice. And I just wanted to focus on my company because it was about the product. It wasn't really about me. And mm-hmm. I just I just hate the I hate always like the first black, the first Latina. Like I got, I can I just be like the person who's just great. Yeah. People are great. Like, mm-hmm. people really are great. Like, why do we have to worry about the color or whatever with it? Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I think it's important, but I hear your point, mm-hmm. and I understand your point. But just given, I think, the current state of affairs, those headlines, I think, need to be replayed over and over and yes. over again so that people don't forget. Because th- there's a short attention span, and also people have selective memory. Absolutely. And they think, like, this has never been done before or your people have never been able to achieve such a thing or no, that's just your people are poor. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's important for them to, with all the other propaganda that's going on in the world, it's important for those facts right. to be plastered. <laughs> no, to constantly Everywhere. be. Absolutely. Yeah. But I hear you. And, and obviously, 
it's worked in your favor. Yes. <laughs> you know, you built this amazing company. And that's why we're so grateful to have you here on Baking on Cultura because I know you don't normally do these things. Yes. But you have so much gems to drop. So, okay, I want to go into Talk That Talk segment and I want to put yep. a little twist on it. Because, you know, something taboo in the culture is like when you get money, you're like stuck up or you can't relate anymore. (laughs) But I want to hear from you when you started coming across, you know, that type of money, 10 million, two years, you know, then you get in the headlines. Now people in your circle are seeing what's happening. How did your relationships get impacted? Like your personal relationships get impacted once you became this multimillionaire mogul? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> like I said, people shouldn't believe the headline. <laughs> but they do. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as when you see, like, a real celebrity. Like, people just assume mm-hmm. things, and they're just ignorant, and they don't know. I'll give you a good example, actually, okay. of something that happened to me. So, I got a $15 million deal, right? And then someone in my family was going around saying, like, the feds are going to come and get me. Oh, no. <laughs> because they Not don't the understand. Feds. Because they don't understand, like, how <laughs> investment works. <laughs> it's, like, so funny. And I found this. I, I just think it's funny. I think it's ignorant. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't understand, like, how investment works. Like, mm-hmm. investors, you don't have to pay them back. Like, they're giving you it to, you know, to grow your company, to pay yourself, you know, to pay payroll and things like that. Right. And... They're giving you the money to grow your company. Like, you don't have to give that back. Like, this, it's no feds involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the SEC, SEC is, mm-hmm. um, like, with a board and everything else. So it's, it's just, th- I think it's just the ignorance of mm-hmm. people. Um, but I've, like, maybe, like, three years ago, maybe two, three years ago, I just was like, I can't, I just can't do ignorance anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to do it. Um, and I, trust me, I love ghetto ignorant people <laughs> there's a time and a place there's a time and a place because i could be sometimes too but there's a certain there's a certain level of it too right right like right. where you just shouldn't talk what you don't know and mm-hmm. giving out I, I don't like people who give out false information mm-hmm. especially when you're just assuming like do some research and then you'll see like how things really are so people like that would see like a few years ago that just see, like, okay, I did a $15 million deal. They just assume because you have it, you should give them things. And it's like, no one should give anyone anything. Like, mm-hmm. this is like sweat and tears. Like, I just didn't get, you know, my co- it's not even mine. Like, my company didn't just get wired money. Like, I, I bust my ass every single day from morning to night. I used mm-hmm. to, sometimes my employees used to tell us, like me and my husband, like, y'all need to go home. Like, we would be the first one there at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning, and we leave 1 o'clock at night. Now we don't, like, once we built our team up and things like that. But for years, like, that, we did that. Like, the toilet paper, like, for our employees to wipe their butt. Like, we brought that. Mm-hmm. Most people don't see those things. And they just assume because you have it, you should give it to them. And I don't think that anybody should expect anything from anyone at all mm-hmm. especially for people who like really like built something and made themselves self-made it's like you can do the same thing too like we all really honestly can do it mm-hmm. like just research and i think most people just give up mm. or they think it should be fast I, i'm not a give up person but some people feel like you should just give it to them Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where it comes from because I never was like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm a reformed, like, I think you should give it to me because you know there's some people like that too. Mm-hmm. It's like you used to feel like, oh, I should get it. And then now you become like the billionaire and you like, wait a minute. 
I can't give. I'm not that reformed person. I, I've always worked. Like, my mother and my father always, always instilled in me and my sisters, like, work for what you want. Just work hard to get it. And it will come. Like, if you really take your time. Like, I know it's so cliche to say work hard to get it. But work hard means so many things. Like, you really have to put your mind to it. Like, we can all be anything. Like, we were all born the same. So let's end this with some advice that you have for that founder who is like putting sweat equity, busting their ass, working, and they are just tired and they're on the brink of giving up. What would you say to them? Keep going. Like, honestly, just keep going and take the risk. I think a lot of founders who fail that didn't get to a certain level, Mm -hmm. like that are just like, say you started a company last year and you fail and you just be like, you know, I'm going to do it. I think you really just gave up. I think you didn't do, I think you didn't take the risk. Mm. Everything, every reward comes with a risk. It does. Even if you play the lottery, you risking that dollar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that $5 that you may need. Mm -hmm. But the risk is, and the money I'm losing, that I may actually win, you know, this mega million. Mm -hmm. And then you regret it afterward and you don't think about it. But every, everything is a risk. So what did you do specifically to stick it out? I took a risk. You just say every day, I'm, I'm going to risk Yeah, it. I was tired. Like, I'm telling you, I used to go around. I used to be in my car all day long. And there was days, I told you, I would sit and I would meditate, like, before I used to get on that belt. And some people would be like, you know what? I'm not doing this no more because I'm not making enough money from it. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep doing more research because other people are doing it. Like, I see other p- companies that are succeeding. So I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to figure it out. Just like how when you asked me in the beginning – I literally figured out marketing. Like I figured out like how to do an audience. Like there's mm-hmm. things now that I didn't know at all back then. And I honestly, I just figured it out. Like when one thing didn't work, I was like, okay, like let me let me look into this and see if this is. Mm-hmm. Like everyone really honestly can be successful. And I'm lazy sometimes. Like I've gotten very lazy. <laughs> like I don't want to do it no more. Like I just don't. And mm-hmm. I know that for myself, but some people are not honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. And you've also put in the work to get to this place where you're like, I don't want to do it no more. Yes, and I can go <laughs> further. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired. And yeah. it's okay to say, and that, that's okay also to say, like, I am fine and I am content because I don't want the energy or the headache no more. Mm-hmm. That's why we were celebrating the soft life. Mm-hmm. Be sure was. You can't have the soft life and, like, want to just, like, keep going. You just, you just can't. Right. So let the people know where they can find more about your fund, the company, all that jazz. Yeah. So my Instagram is I am Crystal Etienne. Anyone can DM me. My investment firm in my pro, I believe is in my profile. Okay. Where you could just click that link. But um, if you don't have Instagram, like I didn't two years ago, <laughs> you can go to cageandco.com and cage is C-A-J-E and co.com. And then my company is rubylove.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for dropping the gems, for being you, for welcoming me into your home. Absolutely. You're coming back. Uh, Oh, girl, (laughs) send the invitation. I am there. Okay? I am there. But no, I really appreciate you sharing this, your thought leadership with us all and for being a black woman who is doing the damn thing. (laughs) Yes. Leading by example and taking the risk every day because if you do it, it gives other women and men permission to do the same. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. (laughs) 
Mi gente, did you hear? Banking on Cultura is also on YouTube. So if you're into the visual thing, if you want to see our reactions and get into these fits, honey, make sure to look up Banking on Cultura over on YouTube. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to make sure and leave a review. This is super important because this is how we're measured on the different audio platforms. So if you want to hear more of Banking on Cultura, if you were vibing, if you had takeaways, if you just enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a review. I appreciate you so much. Until next time.